Welcome back, everyone, to the Chaos Ball Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Two podcasts in a week within days of each other. What is this? Extra content. It's All-Star break. Not as much baseball going on, obviously, to watch, except for All-Star festivities. But I didn't have a podcast. I had a little two-week break, and so I figured I'd do a little double order. A little, little double order this week of podcasts. I have a lot to get to. On this on this pod, I'm gonna talk All Star Game, talk Home Run Derby, uh, Shohei Otani talk to the Mariners. Gonna talk a little bit about that uh, draft picks. Talk about what the Mariners did during the draft. But first things first, the most important thing that's happening on this podcast is gonna happen right now. I just poured myself a bowl of cereal, Julio's. The official cereal of Julio Rodriguez. Now, shout out to my my very good friend, Luke Tolton. He sent me these because I expressed interest in wanting to try them, and I don't live in Seattle, uh, and I think you can only get them up there. He sent me a box of these because he's a wonderful friend, and I am very thankful that I'm now going to eat them and review them on the podcast because I told him I would. Now, is it the best thing to do on a non-video, audio-only podcast to review food? Yes. The answer is yes, actually. Everyone wants to just hear you eating and not actually see any of the food itself. I'm looking at the box right now. Uh, It's very anime style. I'm keeping this box forever. I'm hoping to like flatten it, get it laminated or something so it can last forever. But it says Julio's, official cereal of Julio Rodriguez. It's very anime-y on the front. And he's holding this bowl of of his own cereal in front of him with a baseball bat. He signed the box. Multicolored Frosted Loops, which uh, is very descriptive. And there's a fun little baseball comic on the back of the box. It's a, it's a limited time coloring contest with like a QR code. I'm not going to do that. What I am going to do is dive in. If you don't want to hear me eating, just skip ahead. Like... Uh, 30 seconds, a minute, I don't know exactly, but I have the I have the bowl of cereal right here in front of me. I have not tried these. Right now, I'm going to try them. I'm going to dig in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Going in for bite number two. Mm, okay. I'm going in for bite number three. I'm hungry. Okay. They're good. They're tasty. That's a tasty cereal. Alright, so I figured out... I've figured out what they've done. They've taken a box of Fruit Loops. They've taken the Fruit Loops bag out of the Fruit Loops box... And they've placed it inside of the Julio box, which I'm absolutely all for. Um, that's top tier grifting in, in the name of Julio Rodriguez, which I can absolutely get behind. They are identical to Fruit Loops, but with a little, there's a little more love in there because I'm, I'm eating the cereal and I'm thinking of Julio Rodriguez at the same time also eating the cereal. I presume since this is his cereal, he eats these every morning to fuel up for, uh, for baseball games, I'm I'm making that assumption, but it's a, it's a solid cereal. I will definitely be eating the entire box, and then keeping the box 
And I'm going to I'm going to finish this bowl after I'm done with this segment and pause pause the recording cuz I don't want it to get too sog. It's going to turn the milk a little colorful. Like they're they're fruit loops, all right? They're fruit loops, but they're Julio's. And so that's what makes them special. Thank you, Luke. Thanks for sending me these. Uh I'm going to enjoy the rest of the bag of this cereal and then enshrine the box forever. Um at some point whenever I have a have have enough have enough money to buy buy a home with a little tiny little room that can be my little mariner shrine of stuff. This box is gonna be in there for sure. So that was the Julio cereal. I'm I'm sure you enjoyed listening to me eating. I you know I can't. I all my listeners, all millions of you have been clamoring to to listen to me eat on the podcast more. So you're welcome for that one. But that was the Julio cereal. And it's pretty good. I'm I'm staring at the bowl right now, and I'm just gonna have to pause and finish the bowl and then get back to the podcast. Well, that was just, that was just a scrumptious, scrumptious little snack. That's actually just gonna serve as a little bit of lunch for me. I'm actually recording this on my lunch break um, on on Wednesday. A little peek behind the curtain. I work predominantly remotely from home, so taking this hour-ish lunch break to record this podcast and have a little Julio cereal. As I was thinking about it, so Marshawn Lynch was in in uh, in the Home Run Derby festivities, and he, he, you know, if you know anything about Seattle sports or watch any football when Marshawn Lynch was on the Seahawks, you know him and Skittles have a good relationship, constantly eating them, constantly uh, had him on the sideline, and it became such a whole thing. People would throw Skittles at him when he scored a touchdown. I I don't th- I don't need Julio to do that during games but uh, I feel like it'd be very funny to panda the dugout and he's just like munching like a bowl of cereal not even just eating the cereal out of the bag like he has a legit bowl of cereal just in the dugout just chopping I don't know I wonder I wonder how much input he had in like what the cereal was going to be like did he just say like his favorite cereal's fruit loops and they could work with the Julio's because it could have been like Cheerios, but maybe he was like, no, I don't like Cheerios. Because you couldn't, you couldn't do any other, you had to play with the O's. You couldn't have like a, like a Julio, Julio Raisin brand clusters. Like you couldn't, you couldn't, that couldn't really work. So maybe they gave him some options. It was like, you can do Cheerios, Fruit Loops, something circular that we can play with your, your O in your last name. But, again, thanks to Luke for sending me that cereal. Very good. will fuel the rest of this podcast and my work day. It's a very balanced lunch. Just a, just a bowl of cereal. Bowl of Julio's. Uh, and now, next time I meet up with my close personal friend Julio Rodriguez, maybe in San Diego or Anaheim, uh, I will tell him I had his cereal and it was very good. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get him to sign the box. You know, maybe I'll... Maybe I'll bring the cereal to the next Mariners game I go to and toss it at him like they did with uh, Marshawn Lynch. (laughs) I will not do that. All right, let's crack into the podcast. One more thing I need to say before uh, we get into the meat of, I'm going to talk about the draft a little bit. I need to give y'all a Kyle Seager update. This came out um, a couple days ago during the All-Star break, a reporter, I think it was media, media, the media time on the on Monday before the the home run derby festivities was happening, but this this uh, this tweet 
hit my timeline and hit a lot of our timelines on Mariners Twitter. Jake Garcia at Jake underscore M underscore Garcia said that Corey Seager, obviously the the brother of Kyle Seager, said that that Kyle Seager is now a hay farmer back in North Carolina, and he's also finding time to coach his son and go to dance recitals for his daughters. So maybe the most wholesome wholesome thing that Kyle Seager could have done in retirement. He goes back to North Carolina, where he's from, where he went to school, and he's a hay farmer, and he's just spending time with his family. I'm sure his son is going to be good at baseball. I'm sure if his daughters want to play baseball or softball, they'd be good too. But he's going to dance recitals for them. He's being a hay farmer. He's living his best life. He retired after like a Seattle like Mariners legend, basically. He spent his whole career here, retired relatively young. I mean, he could have kept playing probably if he wanted to. Um, but no, he's probably just loving life right now. He probably made a great decision. Uh, and he's he's out of the limelight and he's loving life. So that was your Kyle Seeger update. And I, I, don't, I don't know if there will be any updates besides that. That seems like probably just what he's going to do the rest of his life until maybe his kids reach the national stage being fantastic baseball players, but we'll see. But that was the Kyle Seeger update. I needed to update y'all with that because just made me happy the other day when I saw that tweet because Kyle Seeger makes me happy. Now, the MLB draft happened. They had it at Lumen Field, the Loom. The draft actually looked pretty cool. I'm never really a fan of going to the draft, but I think it's a it's a time-honored tradition in American sports to boo the the hell out of the commissioner at a draft. The Mariners fans and other baseball fans there did their job very well. They booed Rob Manfred, rightly so. I'm not much of a booer myself, but I'm not really against booing. Unless, you know, we'll talk about... They booed Dusty Baker the other day at the All-Star game. But we'll, we'll talk about that later. That's There's some booing I am against. But the draft, what did the Mariners do? This is a weird draft. I mean, they had three picks in the first round. I mean, not technically the first round. Three picks in the top 30. They had, what, 22, 29, and 30. Because they had a comp pick, and then they had a pick from Julio winning Rookie of the Year, which is really kind of sick that they do that now. Like, really incentivizes um, you to break camp with your prospects. Like, like the Diamondbacks with Corbin Carroll this year definitely will get a draft pick when he wins Rookie of the Year, and he broke camp with them. Julio broke camp with the Mariners, won Rookie of the Year. It just incentivizes um, the teams to not do service time manipulation because they can get an extra comp pick if their their rookie wins rookie of the year, which I think is really a cool thing to do, because um, a a late like after the right after the first round, those comp picks like that's a good good spot to pick if you're a baseball team. It's right in between the first and second round. You can kind of do a lot with that pick depending on what you're you're trying to do. But the Mariners, it was a really unique draft this year. They didn't obviously they had those three picks, and I've never seen them have that many picks in the first round before or that early. Uh, they didn't really go college college pitcher in the in the first in the first or second round here like they have been the past five years. Because do they need them? No, not really. We've seen the college pitchers. We've seen Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Bryce Miller, and uh, Brian Wu. We've seen the college pitchers they've picked, uh, and now they're coming to fruition in the big leagues. And there's still some in the wing, like Emerson Hancock, still in the minors. Uh, and like Sam Carlson, I guess, still in the minors. They didn't go that route. 
they went upside. They had a lot of draft money to spend. They had a lot of slot value to fill out, and they went upside. They took three prep guys with their first three picks, and it's something I've never seen them, not in the DePoto era, to do before. Uh, they took Colt Emerson, Johnny Farmello, and Taj Pete, all shortstops, kind of, all prep guys. Uh, Colt Emerson is 17, I believe. Farmello uh, is is the elder statesman of the group. He's 18. And then Ty Pete as well uh, is 17. So that is, whenever you take a high school guy, it's always upside. Uh, I mean, we saw like Max Clark go third this year. There's significant upside there, but there's also a chance like if he goes to the wrong org and they don't develop him, he might not reach the full potential. That's that's the risk with high school guys. Theoretically, college guys are safer. But this draft was really interesting. People were saying it's like the deepest draft they've ever seen. It's one of the most talented drafts ever, I think due in part because of uh, COVID. I think a lot of high school players elected, like they only had like the five-round draft in, in the COVID year, and then I think like 10 rounds the next year, if I'm remembering correctly. And then they've reduced the whole draft to 20 rounds altogether. So I think they had a lot more high school prep kids uh, who would have gotten drafted in 2020 or got drafted in 2020, elect to go to college because of COVID and all that and continue their development. So I think this draft for that reason was so loaded with solid college players. Uh, And then there were also just an outlier of really high upside prep guys like, like, uh, Max Clark, and then who was the other? Who was the other fella? Uh, Max Clark and Walker Jenkins, who is a ginormous. He looks thirty years old, and he's eighteen. Um, but so there, it was a very good draft to have a lot of picks, which the Mariners did, because uh, they they kind of needed to bulk up, bulk up the farm. Uh, so they took those three prep guys. So Colt Emerson, he's a shortstop. I think he projects to to play. Um, he projects to play second or third. I've seen everyone kind of say there's doubts of him at shortstop, but obviously like so many, especially kids out of high school, if you're the best kid on your high school team, you're playing shortstop, no matter if you are going to ever play that in the bigs, which most of them don't, uh, you're, you're going to play shortstop on your high school team, unless you have another first round pick on your, on your high school team is better at shortstop somehow, but he's from Ohio. Uh, he looks exactly like Jared Kelnick. Uh, bats left, throws right, 6'1", 195. He was committed to Auburn. And none of these guys have signed yet, so we'll see. I'm expecting most of them to sign, uh, especially because the Mariners just will probably throw their slot value at them because they have that luxury right now with uh, a lot of money to spend. So uh, we'll see if they actually sign, but it's good to just kind of know what they what they're about. I mean, he has a projectable hit tool. He's pretty similar to like Cole Young, who they took last year, another prep shortstop who has been um, really good since hitting pro ball. Uh, really encouraging stuff down in, uh, I think he's finally, he's made it up to double A now. Um, but I don't have much else to say. I'm not a draft expert. Uh, I know he has you know, 50 grade power, like decent, decent arm, like good, good tools in the field, but seems like a third base, second base guy in the future. Uh, Johnny Farmello, the next pick at 29, he is uh, he's a big lad. He's 6'2", a uh, super athletic guy, very like very physical athlete with a lot of tools, a lot of good tools. He's a plus runner for how big he is. Uh, I think he has like he has decent raw power just from his build. 
Uh, I know he was playing shortstop in high school, but he's now he's going to be an outfielder. He started to play outfield um, recently. Be- I mean, he was playing shortstop for his high school again because he was the best player on the team. But I think uh, in summer ball he was playing outfield. So I think he's I think he's a corner outfield lefty bat. He his 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 load and his swing and his profile looks a lot like Christian Yelich, but there's big holes in the swing. I've been told from from people who know more about draft prospects than me but he's a huge athlete big upside classic high school like big outfielder to pick and then the next pick they had ty pete who is a shortstop he of all of these guys might be the one to stick it short we'll see uh again it's it's rare sometimes for high school shortstops unless they're generational to stick it short, but we'll see. He might actually stick it shortstop. I think he has the best chance out of all three. Uh, he has he has lower graded tools and he was lower grade he was lower on many draft boards than the first two guys, but I think he has the most upside. Uh, he is a really fast runner. He's also really big, six two, uh, lefty bat. He's he grades out at 60 grade run, 60 grade arm, 55 grade field, uh, 45 hit tool, and 55 power. I don't know if the game power is quite there yet, but the raw power is there. And I am not a swing expert, not a draft expert, but his swing is beautiful. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of Farmello's. I could even tell Farmello's was a little awkward. Ty Pete's swing is gorgeous so i think he has insane raw power for his age right now i think he has the most i think he has the most upside just because of the raw power speed combo uh but there's a lot of stuff to work on in the swing but it's interesting i'm really excited if they get to sign all three of these guys i'm really excited to see um what they can do i mean i've three prep guys hitting the system at once is really exciting because it's just upside. It's like all of all three of them could flame out and not ever make it to the bigs, and I don't think that'll happen. But I haven't been like excited to see prep guys that much because I just don't, I don't, I don't know much about the draft. Like I wait until they're in pro ball, like Cole Young. But three prep guys hitting the system all at once, if they all sign, would be really fun. So I think Ty Pete, just because of the swing, he's the one I'm the most excited about. Um, but that, that was their first-round picks. I'm not going to talk about the rest of the draft. Uh, I'm not, again, I don't do much, like, research into amateurs unless I see them in college and watch. I watch a little bit of college ball, um, unless I, like, these are high schoolers, so I don't know much about them. Their second-round pick, they took a third, I'm forgetting his name, but they took a third baseman who was really low on draft boards. I think he was going to, it was... It was a classic. They took three prep guys in the first round, and they're going to go over slot probably for the last two and spend a lot of their allocated money on them. And then for the second round, they picked, a, I think, a third baseman who I'm sure they liked but was picked in the second round, probably wouldn't have gone to most other teams in the second round, but they needed to um, spend a little bit under slot value for the second round to make up for those three first-round guys. So uh, it's interesting. I uh, the rest of the draft like is said to be solid. I've seen people say it's like they hopefully like bulked out their farm with this draft a little bit just with talent. Like it doesn't necessarily mean like they have a bunch of top prospects, but just talent wise, I think their their farm was a little thin. Just I think they have good talent, but like top down, not amazing. Uh, again, not a draft expert. 
I don't do deep dives on amateur guys really. I analyze prospects a lot. I love looking at prospects when they hit pro ball. Uh, and it's also just hard, and it's weird with the MLB draft, it's hard for me to get really excited about the draft because we just don't see most of the guys for like three years minimum and unless we have like a top five pick. Uh, like I would have been really interested and in, I would be really interested in the draft if the Mariners had like a top five pick, you know, if they had a chance to get a Skeens or a Dylan Cruz or even like a Rhett Louder, like uh, Wyatt Langford. I think we could see Skeens next year. <laughs> like I think I think Skeens might be in the Pirates rotation by the end of the 2024 season. Uh, same with Dylan Cruz. I think Dylan Cruz could be in the um, in the the bigs by the end of the 2024 season. I think they're as close to ready as we've, as we've seen from college guys. I mean, Dylan Cruz was 16 year old was getting drafted. Like he, it was, he was a first round pick in high school and elected to go to LSU for three years. And like Rhett Louder, the pitcher from Lake Forest who dueled with Paul Skeens. I think we also might see him uh, up in the bigs in 2024. Uh, if the Mariners had any chance to get anyone like that, I would be a lot more interested in the draft but they didn't this year, obviously. Um, and they took guys, prep guys, who take a lot longer to get to the bigs unless you're like, you know, like generational, like Bryce Harper. Uh, so that is, that's a draft talk. I, I usually know the top guys and this one's super deep. So I'm just going to trust what the scouts say and say it's super deep and there's a lot of talent to get and the Mariners got talent. Um, so once they reach pro ball and get some reps in pro ball, I will... Uh, come back to them and see what the scouts are saying when they hit pro ball. The rest of the draft was funny. The Astros first round pick, the Mariners booed the shit out of them. They would have booed the Astros pick regardless because it's in Seattle. Obviously the recency bias of them knocking us out of the ALDS last year is is tough. So they're going to boo regardless, but also like, you know, Astros are probably the most booed team in the league after the 2017 sign-stealing scandal. But they also apparently showed, before they the Astros pick, they showed the Jordan home run from the playoffs last year before that pick, which is, I say is cruel. Doing that in Seattle, I mean, it's it's honestly, it's a top-tier troll job. Whoever did that, I gotta give it up. Like, that's an excellent, excellent troll. But brutal so they were booing a little extra hard and Manford got visibly flustered that dude got he had to take a pause and looked at the crowd like a like a I don't even know he wanted to I tweeted he wanted to scold that crowd so bad he wanted to take that crowd bend him over a chair and and give him a spanking like he wanted to say shut the fuck up to those booers in the crowd and he just couldn't and he had to collect himself Oh, and it was so funny. I have nothing else to say about the draft besides that. That was awesome. That was that was awesome. There were like there were like a couple a couple dudes in this draft who I had watched in college who I hoped would like fall to the Mariners only because I had really seen them play in college and was like, oh, that's sweet. Like our um uh what's his face? Uh Enrique Bradfield Jr. was like the guy. He was projected to go in the twenties and I was like, oh, he could follow the Mariners. He got picked a few picks before Colt Emerson, but he's got like 80 grade speed and all like 75 grade field. Like he's already, he's already, you could put him in the bigs right now and he'd play 
probably elite center field and steal you 60 bags. He's electric. I wanted him, but he didn't fall. I know like Brock Wilkin, the third baseman on Wake Forest, because I saw him just hit a bunch of taters this year in college. I was hoping he'd fall. He didn't. But that was about it. That was about it for the draft. I know people said Arjun Namala. If he fell to the Mariners, it would have been sweet. I saw he's a high school guy, an Indian of Indian descent, which is not what you see much in the OMB draft, which is very cool. But that that's it on the draft. So looking forward to seeing those prep dudes hit the ground running um, in pro ball whenever that happens. I mean, they'll be in they'll be in rookie ball for a bit. But next season, next season we'll see where uh, where some of these guys land on prospect boards as the year goes on next year. But now I think it's time to talk about the home run derby. I think it's time. It was it was a fun home run derby uh it was it was really interesting Adley Rutschman was the only guy who hit from the left side of the plate this year uh I mean righties do play better in in T-Mobile uh because the way they built the stadium and how like the wind blows if it's blown right like it can blow you right into that bullpen pretty easily so it's always been a little bit more favorable to right-handed hitters uh I think this was it was an interesting home run derby because the guys I think we're going to remember the most it wasn't the winner like Vlad Jr. won which is sweet love that Vlad Jr. him and his dad the only like father-son duo to do that which is really cool because there's all the photos of him like with his dad at the home run derbies he participated in which is sweet so I'm not I'm not like mad that that Vlad won it's cool I just think we're not going to remember him for this I think we're going to remember Randy a Rosarena because it's Randy Rosarena. He's an absolute showman. He was showing off the cowboy boots. He made it to the finals. He was really consistent. Uh, I think if he put on the boots for the bonus round in the finals, I think he would have won. Uh, I think that's 100%. I think that's a scientific fact he would have won if he put on the cowboy boots, but he didn't, unfortunately. I think Adley will remember for because one his dad was pitching to him very cool he grew up in, in Oregon and grew up going to Mariners games so there's that whole narrative which is really neat and his family was there but he hit from the left side was hitting him right into the press box where all the press people were sitting which was fun and then for the bonus round he switches and goes right-handed and he hits eight of nine in the bonus absolute animal absolute animal I think we're gonna remember that because hitting from both sides of the plate in a home run derby and crushing both sides is badass. Uh, I think we're going to remember that. Uh, and then he promptly got bounced by Luis Robert, who effortlessly was hitting balls 470 feet uh, with little to no, uh, like, I don't even know, urgency. Like, he was just kind of hit. He was just kind of sticking his bat out there. He does not swing the ball, the bat hard. And it, it go, he, hit, he hit, like, the three longest home runs of the night, and it really didn't look like he was trying at all. Uh, we'll remember Luis Robert just for his power, I guess. But I think Julio is what people are going to remember from this one. Hometown kid. The the king of Seattle right now. Uh, he breaks the record for home runs in a round with 41. He goes off. I It was surreal watching I think he hit 15 home runs in the final 90 seconds like he was cranking them uh and obviously defeated Pete Alonso for the second straight year 
And it's hilarious because Julio just goes out there all bubbly and happy, socks 41 dingers, and, and Pete Alonso's meditating in the tunnel, lifting weights, getting ready because he lives for the home run derby and he just he can't do anything to beat 41 home runs. And you know he's mad about it. He takes the derby so seriously. You know he's pissed. But we're going to remember Julio. That was a crazy round. Kevin Durant tweeted about Julio. Patrick Mahomes tweeted about Julio. The crowd was going bonkers. I mean, it's in Seattle and he breaks the record for a round. Uh, I don't really remember what happened after that. In the next rounds, I think he won though. I think he actually went on to win. Uh, Vlad Jr. I, I said that by mistake. I think Julio actually won. Uh, no, he did not. Clearly, he used all of his energy in the first round, and then he lost some steam in the second round, uh, which is fine. I mean, Adley gave his all in the first round, and if he didn't lose to Luis Robert, maybe Adley also loses steam. But it maybe it's best case for Adley that he lost in the first round because we just remember how sick that was. But I don't. I don't think. I think people are going to look back. Seattle All Star Game. They're going to remember Julio, and that forty-one home run round, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, Adolis Garcia. He was there. He fa- he didn't hit many home runs. He lost to to Randy. But it's cool. Him and Randy like grew up together. Uh, grew up together. Maybe they're in the Cardinal system together. Very good friends, brothers. I think like Randy's the godfather of Adolis Garcia's kid, or vice versa. Um, so that was fun. They got to compete against each other. And then the other contestant, like Mookie was there. His wife apparently convinced him to do the Derby. And in the press day beforehand, he was like, I'm not going to win. And boy, did he not win. He only had 11 home runs. He is the definition of game power. That dude might lead the league, lead the national league in home runs this year. I think he is right now. And he hit, he was not, he was not hitting them out. And not very far. He's not built for the home run derby. It was crazy to see Mookie Betts not good at something athletically. Because he's athletically maybe one of the most gifted athletes on the planet. Just not his scene. He knew it. Everyone else knew it. He didn't even take a timeout. Because he's like, why? I mean, why would he do that? He wasn't going to hit more than uh, 26 that Vladdy did. So that was like lackluster. But it, it was cool to see Mookie do it. Uh, but obviously not built for it um it's funny his wife convinced him to do it especially because what else does he have to win at this point like he doesn't have the derby he's won mvp world series like all mlb all-star like come on he's won everything he's mookie bets he doesn't need the home run derby uh so that was kind of funny but vladdy ends up beating randy in the final vladdy beats julio in the second round I mean, it didn't it didn't look great for Julio in the second round, but we're not going to remember that. We'll remember the first round, and the first round was sensational, sensational. Broke the broke broke Vladdy's record uh, that he set in 2019 of 40 in a round with 41, and it was just awesome. It was just amazing to watch. And this also reminds me that the I think Randy hit the most home runs this year total. And didn't win. I think that's the third year it's happened. Julio hit the most last year and didn't win. And Vladdy hit the most in 2019 and didn't win. And I think this format obviously is way better than the old format. But maybe they can massage it a little bit and make it so like it's clear guys are running out of steam by the third round. But if they may, if you make it to the finals, it's just not going to be as fun as the first round because they're not going to be as fresh. So like maybe you just 
Maybe you just limit it to, to four guys. I'd just have it be two rounds. I think that'd be fun. I'd, maybe you do six guys and you do like, um, you do two rounds, but you do like after the first round, the top three advance to the finals and the bottom three don't move on just in terms of volume of home runs. Maybe you do that. I don't know. It's just clear like, even like Vladdy was losing steam in that final round, but still ended up winning. Same with Randy. I, I just think it's not, as it goes on, it's not as exciting. Like the most exciting parts of that derby was Adley's first round, Julio's first round, and probably like Luis Roberts' first round. Uh, and like Randy was just a machine. Um, but yeah, no, it was a fun home run derby for Julio's sake. Didn't end up winning the chain, unfortunately, like I needed him to, to win. But as a consolation prize, I saw Marshawn Lynch walk out wearing it. So that counts for something. I love Marshawn. But uh, besides the home run hitters in the derby, uh, Pete Alonso's thrower, he didn't have the homie. He was he was uh, he had the last couple times he won, and uh, whoever was throwing to him, I think it was just a coach on the Mets, was throwing him some some nasty shit, like some some low and outside like sinkers. Um, not not the best pitching for the home run derby. And uh, Franmi Pena, Julio's pitcher, was a machine. The announcers couldn't stop talking about it because he wasn't even moving his lower half. He was just twisting and throwing, and that was a huge reason why Julio was even able to hit 41. Julio never... He swung at every pitch he saw, which is crazy. Uh, but it was partly because they were all pretty damn good pitches. So shout out to Franmi Pena. Uh, it's a reminder that the pitcher matters almost just as much as the the man in the box in the home run derby. So that was the home run derby, man. It was fun. That's probably the most probably the most watched thing in the All-Star game. I mean, honestly, I probably watched that more often than I watched the actual All-Star game, and I think casual fans probably do too. Uh, I mean, who doesn't love watching guys sock some dingers, you know? I mean, it's just fun. And... That was a fun one. It, it was it was good that it was warm in Seattle. I mean, I know it's July, but there's always chance for a random cheeky little marine layer in there, and that would have been pretty pretty interesting to see. But it was warm, so the balls are flying a little bit more than they probably would normally. And I am absolutely certain they were using juice balls for the derby. I mean, they'd be dumb not to. If there's any any way that MLB can't screw something up it's using juice balls in the Harmon derby like that's a slam dunk so it was a fun derby and then we transitioned to the actual all-star game as i said i don't generally watch much of the all-star game i i, I watched some of this one not all of it uh, never really been a huge like watch the entire all-star game guy it's fun to hear interviews with the players and see uh, all the best players on the same diamond. It's pretty fun. On the interview aspect, honestly, I I in-game interviews, I'm not a huge fan because they're just not good interviews. Um, I'll let it slide for the All-Star game because they're trying but, like, kind of fucking around. But, like, the the ESPN Sunday Night Broadcast, when they do live interviews with the players, I, I just don't like that, like, at all. Because the players are not really focused on the interview, and there's so many, like, pauses and awkward silences. Like, I just, 
I love mic'd up players, and then we go listen, or they put together a highlight reel of what the guy said throughout the whole game. Like, mic'd up is great, like, post-game, but, like, in-game interviews with players, I'm not really a fan of. Uh, All-Star game, whatever. Do whatever you want during the All-Star game. Uh, I Yeah, I don't really generally watch the whole thing, but I watch, like, the intros and, like, the start of the game and then the end of the game. Uh, the, the walkouts, like, for the reserves when they were announced were, like, I feel like they weren't given instructions. Some, like, ran out, some walked, some, some like, stood there and waved for a bit, some just didn't do anything. Uh, like, Justin Steele, he, he didn't do shit. His name was announced, he didn't wave, didn't really, didn't high-five any of the kids, just walked through. Uh, which I don't know how much that says about Justin Steele himself, I don't know anything about him. It's kind of funny to see how each guy handled like the high five lines with the two lines of kids if they were alone, because cause a lot of them tried to like high five both sets of, of kids and it was pretty funny to see how they handled it. Uh, and then and then like you have the uh, the Braves and they have like five reserves and like three starters in the All Star game and they just kept filing out like a clown car when they announced and the Braves ridiculous. Uh, the Astros got booed, which is pretty funny. Jordan and Kyle Tucker both got booed. Um, obviously, that was expected. I mean, well done, Mariners fans, I guess. Boo them. Sure. Uh, Jordan's probably, he was probably like chuckling too, knowing like how hard he ripped out the hearts of like every person who was booing him in that stadium last year. Like, it's booing. It's one-sided. I mean, Jordan and Kyle Tucker aren't going to talk shit about Mariners fans because they, on the field, can can make them feel bad. They don't have to say anything to the fans to make them feel awful. Um, that was fun. It was cool to see Seattle's All-Stars. Weird, though, that they, they apparently, and I didn't know this until I was on Twitter, the Rays were, like, skipped on TV getting introduced, or even in the stadium, maybe, because... Uh, Apparently they did them after the Seattle reserves, which which why why would you do that? Why would the Seattle guys not be last? And then you get a huge ovation, and then you can transition into the starters. Which on TV, that's essentially what they did. I never even realized they didn't announce the Rays guys at all. And it's Wander Franco and Shane McClanahan, two very lovely gentlemen who are very good at baseball and deserve an intro. Uh, how did they not do the Mariners last? It makes no sense. That was funny. Didn't even realize they got skipped. Uh, All-Star game, like, it was, you know, whatever. The start of it was cool. Uh, Acuna hit one of the warning track, and Adolis made a... El Bombi made a really cool jumping catch, and then the second batter, Freddie Freeman, hit one to Randy and left, and he made a cool jump catch and did the Randy stand thing, which is sweet. Um, I don't have a lot to say on the All-Star game. It's an All-Star game. I mean, you get to see guys in snippets. Uh, and that's about it. John Smoltz, uh, unfortunately, was was on the call. Uh, God, they got to stop. They have to stop, especially in a jolly occasion such as All-Star weekend. He shouldn't be anywhere near it. He hates baseball now. He absolutely hates baseball right now. Like, he doesn't want to be there. Um... They did also, the fans boo Dusty Baker when he got introduced, and I won't stand for it. I won't stand for the booing of Dusty Baker. I know he's the Astros manager, and just by being associated with the Astros, you're going to get booed. 
Like across the league, people do still hate them largely for the sign-stealing scandal. And how MLB didn't really punish them much. Dusty had nothing to do with that. So I think the boos were mainly just like, we don't like the Astros. They, like as Mariners fans, I'm sure some Mariners fans would boo the Astros and say like, they cheated even though like Jordan, Jordan wasn't even on the team yet when they cheated. And Kyle Tucker was barely on the 2018 team when they like stopped cheating. Uh, So booing them for that doesn't make any sense. Booing them for the sake of Astros, sure, but not Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker is a legend in the game. He's beloved. He has a million friends in baseball. Like, I've never heard anyone say a bad thing about Dusty Baker. The one thing I will criticize him for is he picked Garrett Cole to be the starter, which is fine. People got real bent out of shape about not him not picking Luis Castillo. And it's like, who, like, come on. Who cares? Uh, It would have been cool if Luis got the start in Seattle or even George, but I get him picking Garrett Cole. Like he has probably been the best, one of the best pitchers in the American League, if not the entire MLB this year. Like I'm not really upset about him picking Garrett Cole. He's a fantastic pitcher. What I am a little a little perturbed about is Luis didn't even make it in the game. So we saw Julio get in the game. We saw Kirby get in the game, which was awesome. His first all-star appearance. Didn't see Luis Castillo get in the game, which was a little, and I, and he's not hurt. And I'm pretty sure he pitched on Friday, which is fine. That's plenty of rest to pitch, you know, what, 15, 20 pitches in an all-star game. I'm, I'm kind of like that. I understand being upset about Cause I'm a little like it, if you have hometown guys, they should be in the game. Uh, they should make an appearance at the very least. Like even if you brought him in at the end of the inning to get like an out, that's better than not bringing him in at all. That was weird to me that he didn't make an appearance, and he's not hurt. I think we'd know by now if he was hurt, and he wasn't on short rest. Like he pitched. It could be wrong about Friday, but he, it was either Friday or Saturday that he pitched. And that's plenty of rest to pitch in the All-Star game a little bit. And Dusty was asked about it, I think, post-game and said something along the lines of like, oh, his manager's like right next to me. What am I supposed to do? Like, I think he said he pitched on Saturday. And like Saturday to what? Saturday to Tuesday, he can't throw like a couple batters. He definitely can. He probably wanted to go in. Uh, just weird that he didn't make it in the game. I think if you have pitchers from the hometown team or like anyone who didn't start from the hometown team, they should get in the game just to, cause you're, you're in Seattle. I think that's how it should go. So that was a little strange. Also weird that like I, Scott service is right next to him. Like Dusty said, did Scott not be like, Hey Dusty, can we, can we get Luis some run up there just to, to get a big cheer from the home crowd? Like he didn't say that at all. Weird. Very weird. Um, the ninth inning was sweet, though. I mean, it was a, it was a one run. I tuned in for like the last inning after the first couple uh, stopped watching. But it was it was it was scripted almost perfectly. It was a one run game. The NL was finally taking the lead. It's three to two in the bottom of the ninth. There's two outs. Cal Tucker walks. In comes Julio Rodriguez. The crowd is going bananas. It's scripted perfectly for a Julio walk-off dong 
uh, to win the American League, the All-Star Game in Seattle. I think the place would have burned to the ground if he hit a home run there. Uh, even if he like hit a double and tied the game or something. But he had a very professional at bat. He took a lot of pitches and he drew a walk to set up a strikeout to end the game in the next batter with Jose Ramirez. I can't believe it was a walk. It was such a Marin- It was so representative of the Mariners. It was like he didn't fail, but he didn't. He also didn't make the place explode with a home runner like a, a, a gapper. Uh, he just had a very nice professional walk, which. Julio, can't. I'd love to see a little bit more of that in the regular season, pal. But it was it was scripted perfectly, and it was almost the perfect ending. That would have been awesome, but it didn't happen. Like whatever, what are you gonna do? Um, Craig Kimbrell, it was cool. He said he had to take a moment when Julio uh, went to the plate just to kind of take it all in because the crowd was going bonkers. Like. I love shit like that. When when players are, are admitting how much sometimes they're just as much fans as the fans. Like, Craig Kimbrell, I mean, he basically said he had to admire what was going on when Julio walked to the plate uh, before pitching to him, which is pretty pretty amazing. And I, that in and of itself was a special moment, uh, seeing how much the city will rally around that man. One more thing about the All-Star game. The jerseys were fine. I think the jerseys served their purpose well. They were very Seattle. They were very Mariners-y. And I think that's what the All-Star jerseys should be if you're going to have them be city-based and American versus National League. But me, like a lot of other people, are of the opinion that they should just bring back wearing your own team's jerseys. I don't think they're ever going to knock it out of the park with All-Star game jerseys, honestly. Last year's were kind of cool with the gold outline. And the shoes were fine. Like they looked like Northwesty. Like people will remember them as the Mariners hosting the All Star game because of those jerseys. Just have them wear their own jerseys and put like a little special All Star patch on them, like they used to. I think it's way cooler, especially for fans who may be watching the game and like it tells you what team they're on. But it's it's more intuitive to just like, oh, what team's that guy on? Oh, it's on his it's on his jersey. He's wearing his game jersey. Like so, you know what team he's representing. And I also think that's part of it. If you're going to have every team have a guy represented in the all-star game, then I think you should, they should have them wear their team jerseys just so every team is actually represented on the screen or in person when they're playing in the all-star game or something. I'm, I don't think they're going to do that anytime soon unless there's really public outcry because this gives the host city an excuse to make a new jersey and make a lot of money selling those jerseys. That is, I think, almost the entire reason that uh, um, that those jerseys exist, like all-star game jerseys. It's just, it's just revenue opportunity um, and an opportunity for like the host city to put their stamp on a jersey. I think that takes you know a backseat to the revenue aspect of things, but it's just my thinking. And I even like you could even do like the the team's jerseys, but have like again like an all star patch or you put a little all star twinge on there. I don't know. You make it an all star jersey of like the Oakland A's, like Brent Rooker. You can go by Brent Rooker's all star game A's jersey. I think that is how where they could also create an opportunity to buy a new jersey and not have to have the city create American versus National League. Partly because also doesn't mean shit anymore. American versus National League, it's not a rivalry. 
It doesn't mean anything. It used to do um, home team in the World Series. That was dumb. They got rid of that, thankfully. There's a DH in both leagues now. There's uh, balanced schedules. Like, the American versus National League is not a thing. It's more of an entire MLB ecosystem, and so I think the jerseys are just dumb. So that's my that's my take. Bring back wearing their own jerseys. We're almost at time here, but what was a main topic, obviously, of MLB as a whole, always, because he's amazing. But this weekend especially, there was a, there was a lot of Shohei Otani talk. There was a lot of hope that was garnered from this weekend within the Mariners fan base because of the things that Shohei was saying. Now, I'll preface this. Nobody knows what Shohei's thinking. He says things, but he we nobody knows what he's thinking. Nobody ever knows what he's thinking. He's very, like, he'll say things, but it's not like it's convincing. Uh, and he doesn't say that much. But he said some stuff this weekend about the city of Seattle. I'll read this quote. Uh, that he that was going around. There were a couple quotes that was going around, but this quote was going around the most, I think. Quote, Every time I come here, the fans are passionate. They're really into the game. So it's very impressive. I actually spent a couple off-seasons in Seattle, so I like the city. It's beautiful. End quote. Hilarious that he said he spent off-seasons in Seattle and it's beautiful. Have you... <laughs> he thinks Seattle post-October, pre-March is beautiful. Um, listen, I love Seattle. I grew up very close to the city of Seattle. It's not beautiful at that time of year. That's arguably the least beautiful time of year. It starts to get amazing in spring when it's not gray constantly and there's some sun. And then this all-star weekend was good propaganda. Like, look at how beautiful the city of Seattle is. Like, yeah, it's July. This is like three months of the year. It's like this. And the rest is gray. Like, it's hilarious. He says he spent off seasons here, which coincides with the most grubby time to be in the west side of Washington, where it's just constantly gray and sprinkling rain on you. Hilarious to me. But uh, he also just, he was saying how much he liked the fans. He said they're really passionate. Uh, we chanted the fans, good work again to the Mariners fans. They were chanting, um, come to Seattle during the All-Star game at Shohei Otani, which is sweet. He said, like, that's something he's never experienced before, and he'll remember that. Um, I don't know how much this really did to sway him. I think, like, minutely. I think he knows every fan base would do this for him. Uh, but it's it's the fact that the Mariners have the history of, like, Ichiro. I mean, Ichiro is really the reason, and just like the culture of like the Japanese and largely Asian culture that is imprinted on the city of Seattle. I don't know about this weekend doing like a whole lot in the long run for signing, but you literally never know. I've said for for months now he's a Dodger because it just makes the most sense, and they'll probably be able to throw, be one of the two three teams that can give him the most guaranteed money. But you never know. I will have hope he signs in Seattle until he signs somewhere else. There's always hope, especially with this guy. No, again, like I said, nobody knows what he's thinking. Nobody knows what he wants exactly. We know he wants like legacy. He cares about that. But otherwise, like I don't. We don't know what he wants. Like maybe this weekend he was like Seattle sick, and he'll remember that when John Stanton offers him five years for sixty million dollars, and he's like, sure, why not? Maybe Otani really, really likes uh, big lakes and signs uh, with either the Cubs or the White Sox. 
you know, maybe he loves St. Louis barbecue and just signs with the Cardinals, you know, maybe he loves the outdoors and want to, and wants to experience the great Rocky mountains and, and nice beer in a chill, cool city and signs, uh, with the Rockies randomly, you know, you never know anything could happen this weekend. There was just a lot of talk and also Dave softy Mahler, the, I think he's, I'm pretty sure a radio guy in Seattle. I don't listen to radio at all. I don't think, um, intelligent sports conversations happen on the radio. I'm sorry if you're a radio guy. That's my take on that. Don't think radio is very good format for sports talk. I think it's, they call them shock jocks for a reason, but he was like hassling show. Hey, like, where are you going to see you going to sign here? Like, come on, dude, shut the fuck up. All right, come on. That, that was so cringe. The shit, the stuff he did with Felix Batista as well. He hassled him about the King Felix shit. Like Felix Batista phoned the Orioles social team was like, I'm the new King Felix blast it all over Twitter. No way he had anything to do with that. And, and Dave was hounding his ass. Like, yeah, stop that. Like, come on, dude, making an absolute ass of yourself. This is why I don't listen to radio. It's full of guys like that, but back to show. Hey, he's amazing. Would love him to sign with the Mariners. I don't think this weekend like swayed him much in one direction, but like I said, anything could happen, and I'm not going to count it out until he signs pen to paper somewhere else. And with that, I'll wrap up here, but real quick before I go, what does the Mariners' schedule look like going into the second half of the year? So long homestand. Uh, they got three series coming up, the Tigers, the Twins, and the Blue Jays. Uh, they have a tough schedule the next few weeks. So Tigers... You know, yeah, they should be the Tigers. Tigers, Twins, Blue Jays, Twins again, D-backs, Red Sox, uh, Angels, Padres, Orioles. And that gets you to midway through August. So that's kind of a tough one. But that's when the schedule turns to Royals, Astros, White Sox, Royals, A's. And that is how they end the month of August. So there's plenty of opportunity at the end of August to pick up some wins. But it's interesting. It's an interesting schedule. And right now, they are third in the American League West. They sit four games back of the Blue Jays and Astros in the wild card spot. The Mariners, Fangrass is currently giving the Mariners a 23% chance to make the postseason that's more than it was a few weeks ago. The Angels have kind of plummeted to 11%. Uh, the Mariners, they're six games back of the Astros for the division lead. Um, only four back of the Rangers. At I, the division, I don't think, is as in play, obviously, as the playoffs. But, you know, you never know. Baseball is pretty wacky. So, let's just start the second half right. Let's sweep the freaking Tigers Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The Twins haven't been playing especially good baseball either. Uh, Tigers, Twins, Blue Jays, that homestand, I mean, they could they could pick up seven. Seven out of ten in that. That'd be solid. That'd be good. But we'll see. They got to hit the ground running. And this, again, more like we're approaching still every day. The clock ticks down to the trade deadline. What are they going to do? I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. That's a conversation for next week or in two weeks when when more trades hopefully start to 
happen or rumors start to float around. But that's it for this pod. Appreciate you listening, especially if you're listening to me right now this far. Greatly appreciate y'all. Have a good rest of your week and especially go second half Mariners.